Welcome to Bring It On Baby, a podcast covering pregnancy, parenthood, and everything in between, brought to you by Behold Birth, a doula and midwifery service based in Athens, Georgia. I'm Emma. And I'm Lindsay. Let's get started. So before we jump in, I want to give a quick disclaimer. I'm about to provide you with a lot of information, and you might find it overwhelming. I just want to remind you that for generations, people did not have access to the information that we have now, and they did things that go against what we now believe to be the best practices in childbearing. And their children turned out perfectly okay. Of course, now that we have this research-based information on these topics and we have a better understanding of what choices are the best practice for childbearing, we can make those choices when possible. But that being said, if you don't tick every box for the quote-unquote best options, it's okay. There's this idea of a good enough parent, and it basically encapsulates the idea that you don't have to do everything perfect in parenting. Children are incredibly resilient, more so than you would think. They can withstand you not ticking every box on the perfect parenting list or doing everything by the book. At the end of the day, you know your child best, and you just have to trust that. So when listening to this podcast, feel free to take what information you want and leave what you don't. That being said, let's get started. Hey y'all, I'm so excited for our topic today because we are covering breastfeeding, which we love. Yes, we do. Absolutely. So we're going to start off by covering some of the gross anatomy of the breast because I feel like even people who have breasts don't really know that much about them. (laughs) They're there, but not talked about. Let's do it. Yeah, so starting at the glandular level, we have the mammary glands, which are kind of like these modified sweat glands where the milk is made and injected from. And surges in estrogen and prolactin cause mammary glands to enlarge during pregnancy. And fun fact, men have mammary glands too. They just don't work. It's too bad sometimes because sometimes it's like, hey, there could be four nipples that this baby is (laughs) rotating through (laughs) instead of just two. That would be way too easy. (laughs) But kind of moving on, we have the areola, which is the dark circle that surrounds the nipple. And it has these little bumps called areolar glands that are also referred to as Montgomery glands. And they secrete this fluid that not only lubricates the nipple for breastfeeding, but it also has this smell that draws the baby to the nipple, which is really cool. And along the same lines, the reason that the areola has that dark spot around it is so that it guides the infant to the nipple. It gives them a target because infants are born with really bad vision. And everybody's are different. Yeah. Different size areolas, different size nipples, nipples that go in, which we'll talk about, nipples that are flat, nipples that go out. Yeah, everybody's is different. And along the same lines, breast size does not impact your ability to breastfeed, just to go ahead and dispel that myth. And side note relating to breast size, um, if you were ever wondering how your breast stays attached to your chest, even though it can get heavy with milk, Thank Cooper's ligaments because they hold your breast to your pec muscle. We should be really grateful to those ligaments. That's a big deal. (laughs) You could say that. But anyway, moving on to what kind of changes you'll see in your breast during pregnancy. What are some changes that people can expect? Yeah. Well, sometimes it starts like that's people's first warning, right? That they're pregnant. They're like, I feel breast tenderness. And a lot of people get that just with their cycles. You know, like around the time right before they start menstruating, like they might have that breast tenderness. Um, So that's definitely a normal thing in pregnancy and is a good um, reassuring thing. Typically, sometimes you'll see an increase in breast size. So you're having to go up in size in bras that you're wearing. Usually it's the partners that are like, we'll ask the question, are you seeing breast changes? And they're like, oh yeah. (laughs) And then the areola gets bigger. 
um, the like actual diameter, right, of that dark spot where your nipple is in the middle mm-hmm. around it, that usually gets larger. Um, and that serves the purpose of when the baby comes out, they're actually able to see it better to locate where their food is, which is just super cool. Nature's way of ensuring they can find their food. And another thing that you might look out for is potentially some leakage. And if you see that, don't be scared. Because usually it is. It's like that could be a sign of other things if you're not pregnant and you're like leaking fluid. That's not always a positive, right, situation. Right. So, yeah, in pregnancy, um, not everybody leaks. So it's also not like I'm not going to be able to breastfeed because I can't express any colostrum or I'm not leaking anything. Like it doesn't mean that. Just some people leak before right. and some don't. And that's okay but both are normal. Yeah, definitely. And then once baby is born, the placenta is also birthed and thus is no longer present to prevent the milk being let down. So open the floodgates. Yeah, so your whole body sort of shifts. You have that hormonal shift that's now telling your your breast that there's a baby here and this baby needs to be fed. Um, and colostrum is that magical, we call it the golden milk <laughs> that has, right. um, it's antibacterial, it has a lot of good antibodies in it, and uh, just really helps um, these little babies because their stomachs are so tiny, so they don't need much of it, but it um, kind of helps jumpstart their whole digestive system. Yeah, it's super great for helping baby pass that first meconium and helping develop GI health later in life. It's pretty crazy if you don't know what it is, (laughs) but it doesn't stay that way for very long. Yeah, so like you said, it doesn't stick around for very long. So when does it usually start to change to mature human milk? Yeah, usually you start to feel signs that um, your milk is coming in so that that transition is happening on day three to five. Um, And some of that depends on how you gave birth. Um, Sometimes it can take a little bit longer for your milk to come in after like a cesarean um, or more traumatic birth, but typically around uh, day three, you're starting to feel some engorgement. You like really feel like stuff's happening. You start to hear changes and how your baby is both sucking and gulping, which is always a good sign that like, okay, now like they're calling the milk for a while. So they suck, 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 suck a lot. Um, and may want to be at the breast a lot, but it's because they're saying, hey, I'm ready. (laughs) But so as far as baby being ready, now they're latching, what does a good healthy latch look like? Because I know if a latch is not good, then it can cause some serious problems. So yeah, you want um, you want the baby to be able to get the milk out in the most efficient way without um, damage to your breasts and your nipples, right? So like some soreness is normal because like your nipples have probably not been sucked on every two hours to every three hours yeah. for 30 minutes at a time. Like so some like discomfort is normal. What is not normal is cracked and bleeding nipples, which a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, well, you're breastfeeding. That's not normal. And a lot of times the first thing we look at in that situation is the baby's latch, Um, the baby's position while they're eating and what their actual mouth is doing. So you want them to get a lot of your breast and a lot of your areola with the nipple in their mouth. And essentially what's happening is they're drawing your nipple back towards their throat. So if you just see your nipple going in and out, they don't have what 
we call it deep enough latch. Um, So some tips for that is we always say, obviously skin to skin is great, um, preferable. You put the baby's belly to your tummy, so belly to belly, and then the baby's nose to your nipple. And as you, this would be so much easier, we could like demonstrate, but this is a good, it's a good challenge. And as you bring their their nose to your nipple, you always wanna bring, wait for the baby's mouth to be really wide and open. When they have that really wide open mouth, then you kind of, not forcefully, but like, you know, you're being gently firm with their head, (laughs) bringing their big wide open mouth to your breasts. And you always wanna bring the baby to your breasts, not your breasts to the baby. Right. Um, and that helps to facilitate them getting a large chunk of your areola and nipple in their mouth, being able to draw it in. Their lips should be flanged out around your nipple. So that bottom lip and the top lip should be nice and open. Um, you should see them kind of sucking right here by their ears. So their temple, you kind of see the sucking motion. Um, and it should feel comfortable. It shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't be sharp, painful. Um, it should, it might be intense for a minute and then it should kind of even out and feel comfortable. Right. Yes, and our bodies are kind of cool and that we release hormones when we're breastfeeding that actually benefit mama too, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's not uncommon, especially in the early days, like baby latches on and all of a sudden you just get this wave of like needing to go to sleep. That's just so incredible to me. But kind of moving on, post-delivery, in general, you're gonna start to produce more milk, right? Yes. And- And will you be able to tell? Usually. Okay, cool. So how does that feel? How does it feel to be quote unquote full? It's sort of like a a weight, a tightness um, in your breast where your skin actually feels hard, like to the touch. Um, That's kind of that engorgement because if you, uh, you gave birth, but your breasts don't know how many babies it has to feed. So it's just like sending in the troops. It's like, here you go. I I might have to feed four babies, you know? So there's those initial days of it realizing like, okay, I only need to feed one baby. This is the baby schedule and how much the baby eats well. So it takes a little bit, but it regulates um, eventually. So you don't always feel um, that engorged around the clock. Yeah, and I kind of want to go back to something you briefly mentioned, that is supply. And I know that's something that a lot of new parents worry about is having low milk supply and, and you know, wondering, is baby getting enough? I feel like it's hard with breastfeeding because you can't really see. <laughs> but as far as maintaining a healthy milk supply, do you have any tips for that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is feeding baby on demand and not rushing to get this baby on a schedule Um, because they are especially in those first three weeks where you are both learning first of all right baby's learning how to breastfeed well you're learning how to to do this thing well um and your milk is also trying to regulate and figure out what it needs to do. So feeding baby on demand, and that means, you know, around the clock. So it's not normal for a breastfed baby to sleep through the night. Um, So sometimes you have to wake your baby up. And I think that's probably the biggest thing to establish a good healthy milk supply is knowing that. Um, And just having expectations, right? Like before baby's here that like, this is just, this is normal, like, and that's okay. And there will be plenty of time for your baby to sleep through the night or go longer stretches, but that's usually not the first three weeks. Yeah, and then another thing I had read online that's good for maintaining a healthy breast milk supply is making sure that you're emptying the breasts. Do you have any tips on how somebody might know if a breast is empty? So this is also one of those common myths. The breast is actually never 
empty. Truly empty. So yes, it's continually producing milk, but you do want the baby um, to get to uh, what we refer to as hind milk and kind of empty all of it. And so there's some gauges on knowing that your baby is doing that, right? So your baby should be gaining weight. They usually gain back their birth weight by the first week of life. Um, so they should be continually kind of steadily gaining weight. They should be having uh, wet and dirty diapers. Mm -hmm. It levels out about day five, but up until then, it's usually a wet and a dirty diaper per day of life. Um, so as long as they're having plenty of wet and dirty diapers, they should be satisfied after they eat. So if they're eating and coming off the breast and just inconsolable and fussy yeah. and um, then there might be some sort of an imbalance they're either not getting the milk that they need or they're not um, able to effectively get it out they might have some oral abnormalities like a tongue or a lip tie um, you could have it could be on your end right like if your nipple is inverted which means it goes in instead of coming out they could just be having trouble getting it so there's sort of some right. gauges to look at and then if all else fails or if you're just kind of at the point of like you want to know how much milk this baby's getting you can do what's called a weighted feed um, but you need a very precise scale and essentially you weigh them right before a feed you feed them and you weigh them right after and that kind of gives you um, an amount yeah of how much milk they got during a feed okay interesting and just to kind of jump back to that topic you brought up of hind milk I wanted to kind of clear up a common misconception that there is like a stark line where it shifts from being hind milk to foremilk. It's more of like a gradual shift, right? For sure. It's a very gradual shift. And some babies, um, every baby eats differently. So there are some babies that just take their time, right? So like a yeah. full feed for them might be um, 15 minutes on one breast, 15 minutes on another, and another might be 30 minutes on one breast and 30 minutes on another, and they might get the same amount but the way that they eat is just very different and the way that yeah. they're able to remove that milk can change so yes the hind milk and fore milk there's a lot of misconceptions around that and i feel like that Definitely. could be a whole nother uh podcast episode because there is just so much information on what nutrients are in both and kind of how that process works but it is a very um layered process and not cut and dry for sure yeah, definitely. So I just wanted to kind of come and clear that up because that's something I've seen on social media a lot, them talking about foreign hind milk and kind of implying that there's like a stark shift where it swaps. And hind milk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think basing it off of these other things we talked about, like your baby gaining weight, being satisfied, plenty of wet and dirty diapers. I think those are honestly more... Um, valuable indicators you know that your baby is just getting a full yeah. normal feed and it is pretty normal to see a dip in baby's weight during those first few days but it should never be more than what seven to ten percent kind of depending and if you got fluids in labor then they kind of have what we call sometimes a false birth weight um so sometimes those babies can lose more um and it's yep usually regained by week one week two would not be concerning either though as long as right. you know they were eating well and didn't have any other issues yeah definitely not the only thing to look at but is there anything else you'd like to add to the topic of breastfeeding i know it's like such a deep topic and there's so much to talk about and we're just giving like the basic overview um peer support is huge being around other people that are also breastfeeding exactly. um yeah it's one of the best indicators of success if this is really something you want to do just because there's not um we just have such a different culture. We're not seeing usually our 
mom's breastfeed and their mom's breast. So we haven't grown up with that. And so I think it's helpful to be in a community where other people are breastfeeding. You can share issues and frustrations and it's a natural process. Obviously, like our body is made to make milk and feed this baby that it just grew. Like all of it is just magical. (laughs) Um, but it's also not simple. And so it's okay to need help breastfeeding. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong or that something's wrong with you or with your baby, right? Like it's just not a simple process. Um, so don't be afraid to ask for help from somebody that is experienced and an advocate for breastfeeding. Yeah, definitely. And then there are people who dedicate their whole careers to lactation. And I think that that's something you should really take advantage of too. Well, and there's a whole, um, so you have lactation consultants and then sort of a tier, I don't want to say above that, but like kind of the next level of education would be an IBCLC, which is an uh, international board certified lactation consultant. So they've actually taken, they can work in hospitals. Those are usually the ones that you see um, up on L&D floor. And so they, if there's more complex issues, they're usually the ones we refer to. Okay. And on that note, I think we're going to bring this to a close. I know we just gave a very brief overview, but we just wanted to kind of give you guys a peep into the world of breastfeeding. If you have any further questions, please feel free to reach out and we will try our best to get you an answer. And as always, have a great day. 